This is Rumble with Michael Moore, and thank you uh, for listening in here. We have uh, just surpassed our three millionth download. We've only been doing this for six weeks. Wow. I know it's like we're so, um, we, we, you know, we told we were told this would take like a year and a half before we get to this number. So, so thank you to all of you who are listening and supporting us. And thank you um, uh, to our underwriters uh, today, especially our underwriter, Nat Geo. I think we used to call them National Geographic, National Geographic Magazine, National Geographic Films. Oh, my God. How long has National Geographic been with us probably for more than 100 years, more than maybe 150? I mean, this is one of the oldest magazines in America. And now they do all this great work making documentaries. And uh, many of my friends have made documentaries with them. And they're just a, a fine, fine group uh, to work with. And they've got this film that's nominated for uh, the Oscars in uh, just a week or two. The film is called The Cave. And it's made by a wonderful uh, filmmaker. Faraz Fayed is his name. He uh, made a, a film that was nominated, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, Last Man in Aleppo. Um, obviously, he's covered this tragic, tragic war in Syria for many years now. And this most recent film of his, The Cave, is a powerful look at a sort of a makeshift hospital, I guess. I, I could say it's makeshift because they're trying to operate a hospital in the middle of a war. And it's the first hospital in, I think, Syria, really, ever to be operated to be run, directed by a woman. So it's a great documentary if you get a chance to see it. And I thank the filmmakers and I thank uh, Nat Geo for underwriting uh, today's episode. And of course, their underwriting implies no solicitation or uh, sponsorship of uh, the candidate that I happen to be uh, traveling with here, but they give voice to a lot of people. But uh, with me here, hours in, in almost really, yeah. <laughs> before the Iowa caucus, is Jane Sanders. Dr. Jane Sanders is, uh, as you probably know, married uh, to a man by the name of Bernie Sanders. And <laughs> and she's here to tell us everything. <laughs> about, well, not everything. Well, not yes. Oh, please, no, actually. But well, let me just uh, thank you, first of all, for, for oh, being here. Oh, thank you for having me, Michael. And, um, it's great to see you again. Uh, when I last saw you in Queensbridge uh, Park uh, back in the fall for that massive rally, that was wonderful. Wasn't AOC it? was there, and I was there, and we legally, officially endorsed uh, Bertie. Yes, it was. It was not long after he was in the hospital, and I said to you, "So, uh, you know, how's he doing?" You know, mm -hmm. and you said, "You know, these morning walks we go on." Uh, when he was in there, they like cleaned out the, the, like everything. The arteries. The yeah, arteries. he's now he's now working on three cylinders, and we didn't know that he only had two working at for a while <laughs> so and you made some reference to that the, the blood was flowing like the i don't know what you, if you said the amazon river or so i just had some and and what you said to me was is that you now cannot keep up with him on the morning walks oh and, and and then you said you know if you just if you, if you do happen to talk to bernie about, about this it just give this slow, slow the down walk, a little slow bit the walk down so i can keep up really i think having been a lifelong athlete uh he just Brung back to action, and he didn't realize. Uh, he had told me just before the heart attack, he left to go to Nevada, and I wasn't going with him. I was doing some television ads. Um, he said, "I don't know. I'm tired, and I hope I'm not getting old." <laughs> I said, <laughs> "I said, well, no, you're fine. We'll, we'll, you know, you should have a checkup." So then, the heart attack happened, and I sped out there. Uh, at the first plane, 
and I was very worried. And then I walk into the room, and he's there working, and he's sitting up, and he's yeah, just doing. And I said, yeah. uh, "How are you feeling?" And he said, "I'm feeling much better. Much." <laughs> it was like the next morning, so uh, it was uh, it was a surprise, but it, I guess it was a blessing. Because you know what? You remember AOC said it was a wake-up call for her. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. it was a wake-up call for a lot of people to recognize that, hmm, if Bernie wasn't in the race, would we be having these conversations? Would the bar right. be so much lower? So, And then I think it nudged everybody that was keeping an open mind, listening to everybody, that they realized mm, they already had their candidate for right. sure. right. right. Uh, I'll tell you, that's the way it feels here in Iowa. Um, I'm on a 12-day, I call our journey with Bernie uh-huh. uh, here, and it's you know coming to an end. But I'll tell you, now that Bernie is the front runner uh, in New Hampshire and Iowa, not by a lot. I mean, I want to caution everybody: don't right. be having the end zone dance no, on the five-yard no. line. Nope. There's a lot of work to do, and this th- this thing can change in 24 hours. So. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has to be on top of this and uh, getting bringing 10 people with them to the polls. Yep, they can't just ask people to caucus, bring them you with you. You have to bring them, make a party out of it, have dinner beforehand, <laughs> go drinking afterwards, whatever <laughs> it is. Make it a communal event because it actually that is what democracy is. It is yeah. a very large community event. But we've been waiting all week. So I was with Bernie last weekend yeah. here. And we're like, I said, what do you think? <laughs> Where are they? Now that you're, this Emerson poll from last Sunday was amazing. And uh, number, the CNN poll, number one with non-white voters across the country. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, Bernie. I said, so <laughs> where's the attack going to come from? Which, which, are we looking east, west, north? And he said, yeah, I, it's, I don't, I don't know <laughs> because, but I said, I think it's just going to be, they're just going to keep pounding the same horse which is Bernie can't beat Trump. Bernie right, can't win. Right. Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. And and so these, Jonathan Chait in New York Magazine this week, uh, David Frum mm-hmm. everywhere, pundit extraordinaire, <clears throat> not, um, <laughs> William Salatin in Slate. And the ad. Gerson, oh, and the uh, The ad negative ad, the, the first negative ad by right, dark money right. in this election. And my hope is that all the Democratic candidates will stand up and say, we don't want dark money uh, in this campaign. I saw that ad last night. That was stunning. This this is a Democratic Party Yes, establishment. The establishment Democrats running this. Mark Melman is awful. Yes. A mean-spirited, untrue ad to stop. They're so nervous. But those people I mentioned, those pundits I mentioned, they were all support either supporters of the iraq war or worked in the bush white house mm-hmm. I, I mean how are you uh, you know i'd like to hear what your answer to this is because the more they say this and then what we're seeing with our own eyes and mm-hmm. hearing with our own ears here in iowa it's like could they be just wrong again <laughs> again would yeah. they really could want to embarrass them be? themselves another time here right well, that's now that's the that's the concern these pundits the democratic establishment talks to itself it's very insular and they have the same interests i mean a lot of them are quite quite wealthy in terms of what they're paid uh, they are interested they can't seem to believe that people support Bernie because nobody they know does. So they don't get out of the beltway, Michael. You know this. 
they they just talk to each other and say, "This is th- this is my worldview," and they don't realize in a democracy, in a vibrant democracy, such as exists in Iowa and New Hampshire right. and across this country, uh, people actually are thinking things through. They're paying attention to all the candidates. They're open-minded, and they're not following their perspective. I think I think Americans have learned that they can't count on the pundit class or the establishment of either party to tell them what the reality is, because as you say, they've been wrong so often. Yeah. And while, you know, none of us should put everything into polls, but uh, our belief in them, but Mm -hmm. consistently now for months, Bernie's been number one with Latino voters. You never read that anywhere. With young voters, 52%, 56% 52%, 56% I saw yesterday, 70% in Texas of mm-hmm. 18 to 29 year olds yeah. are for Bernie. It's amazing to, to, to witness this. It's interesting that uh, he is doing so well when you talk about them saying that uh, he can't beat Trump. I mean, that's demonstrably by their own polls wrong. And they say since 2016, he was beating Trump better than Clinton was consistently. And then since then, anytime there's been a poll that says Democratic candidates against Trump, he's always beaten him, sometimes by more than anybody else. So there's just, they just don't care about reality. They have their own narrative. They want to sell it. And they're purchasing ads that are ridiculous when they say, well, Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania won't vote for a socialist. Well, in fact, he won Wisconsin and Michigan in the last right. election. That is so correct. that is, they don't care what the facts are. And you notice some of those people that are in there used to be paid staffers on other campaigns. Yeah. So these are not just your regular Iowans. And just that you brought up Michigan, as I know, I think a lot of people listening to my podcast, it's a drinking (laughs) game whenever I mention Michigan (laughs) or Flint, you know, you take a drink. Mm -hmm. But the town I live in in Michigan, uh, there's only like 14,000 people in it's a rural Mm -hmm. uh, town that voted for George W. Bush in 2000, in 2004. In 2016, in the Michigan primary, our town voted 70% Bernie, 30% Hillary Mm -hmm. in 2016. Yeah two percentage points more than Ann Arbor, which is the liberal bastion in Michigan. Well, I think people don't understand. They they want to put him in a pigeonhole to say, oh, he's he's too left. He's only for the left. In fact, working class people understand he's on their side. That's right. Yeah. And they don't wake up in the morning and define themselves as, oh, I'm on the left or I'm on the right or I'm on the, you know, they're, they're trying to get by. Yeah. They're trying to get by. And let me ask you this. Why'd you let him run? Because he has said that, that this was a joint decision. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we went back and forth quite a bit in, oh, uh, yeah. until February, mm-hmm. just saying, oh, should we do it? Should we do it? And I think uh, it came down to we have to defeat this very, very dangerous president. The country can't stand another four years of Donald Trump. Uh, we are democracy will be in great jeopardy. And so the feeling was, if we don't do everything that we can to defeat this president, how are we gonna look our kids and our grandkids in the eyes and say, we stepped back? And for Bernie, everything he can do is run for president. We would have been fine if we felt that somebody else was capable of 
beating Trump and and transforming this country quickly, as opposed to beating Trump and just going back to the way it was, uh, which is what brought us Trump. So we felt very strongly that he was the right person, and it was his calling to do so. Mm. And you were and you were one hundred percent behind this, and one hundred percent behind it from the standpoint of it's a, the right thing to do. Right. I mean, uh, we doesn't mean that it's easy. Well, it's an honor, uh, but it is definitely, I mean, our kids and our grandkids don't see him as much, and that's that's right. hard. It's hard for all of us. Uh, there has and, to be a certain loneliness to this for you and for him, too. Yeah, yeah, but, especially with this impeachment, too. So no, I'm in yeah. Iowa. He's, he's in Washington mm-hmm. uh, today, so there's been very little time yeah. Yeah. to go back and forth uh, to to go home. So right. we've brought, we now have uh, some of the kids coming with us on the road. Uh, right. They're door knocking. Dave and his children, Ella and Dylan, are door knocking in Iowa today. Right. And they spent the morning with us. They're on their own in the afternoon. Right, right. Thinking about this over the years, how Bernie has always been so far ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Um, you go back to that photograph of him in 1963 of being arrested at a civil rights demonstration when he's in college mm-hmm. in Chicago. So many times, and, and you've been with him for a very long time. Yes, it's 81. Uh, <laughs> 40 years, Jace, almost. Yeah, okay. You're not one of these people that actually counts the days, the minutes, the no, hours. No, no. <laughs> yeah. We usually don't remember our anniversary until the next day or something. We say, oh, you, we both of us look at each other and say, oh, you forgot our anniversary because <laughs> we're too busy. Right. But, um, but, it, but, but it, it was a lonely road for him. Yeah. And you were on that road with mm-hmm. him where... Um, people criticized him, uh, mocked him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, wh- wh- you know, what do you mean, gay marriage or this or that or whatever? You know, it's it's not bad while it's happening because he knows he lives his life on values and principles that say that human rights are the most important thing, that humanity needs to be at the forefront of our thinking, that we diversity is the strength of America, uh, that justice, justice, his, his mind is just has a foundation of justice, whether it's racial justice, social justice, environmental justice, uh, economic justice. But what is hard is to see after the fact that people are saying when he's led on all these issues, he's been on the right side, I, I couldn't be prouder of him. But then to see them say, oh, he was never there for civil rights, even though he led the first uh, sit-in in in the Northeast at the University of Chicago, even though he proclaimed a parade for gay rights in in 1985. In Burlington as the mayor. In Burlington as the mayor. What bothers me is when people say he wasn't there. We don't know he doesn't really have a history. He doesn't care about when they're lying. diversity. They're lying. Yeah. And they're misrepresenting. There's evidence yeah. of him, for instance, that sit-in yes. uh, in college there. Mm-hmm. There's pictures of this. Yeah, I've, by Danny Lyons, who's a civil rights photographer, a great right. civil rights photographer. So, yeah. yeah. So, I'm, you know, I found it's best just to ignore these people when they just, you know, because they have nothing else. They can't debate them on the issue. But when the media repeats it and repeats it and repeats it, it becomes, you know, the media comes up with a fact or believes the establishment facts and then repeat them as though, and then people believe it. That's what's hard. The fight isn't really hard for him or for me. We're so used to it paving new ground and and pushing the envelope. 
uh, that that's okay. We know that there's going to be pushback in order to move right. a country or move right. a community. But lies, that's one of the worst things yeah. about politics today. Has there ever been a time where you said to him through all these years and all these issues, ah, you know, Bernie, maybe better dial it back a notch or two or the opposite. Have you ever said to him, you know, I know you and I know you can, <laughs> it's okay to go further. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm with you. Uh, you can take that risk. You know, he's never needed my permission and I've never needed to tell him to go further. He tends to go faster than me. He brings me along. Um, I bring to the table a more, not conservative, but a more... Um, You're the Irish end of this I'm equation. the Irish <laughs> end of this. I, I'm like, oh, you know, there's. I'm very much uh, supportive of people. So I always excuse individual actions saying, well, they don't know as much. We just need to bring them along uh, and and try to make try to convince people and persuade people by talking with them. And he calls them out. So mm-hmm. I think we are the yin and the yang. Right. That. Which yeah. is necessary. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Is it OK to make this statement? You probably know Bernie better than anyone. I think it probably is. <laughs> Okay, safe to say. Yes. All right. So I think people would really love, because I've seen pieces of Bernie that other people don't see. And Bernie has this great sense of humor. And um, he does. And people don't know it. I mean, no. It's interesting because in Vermont, people got to know him when he first won as mayor by 10 votes. Everybody thought it was a fluke. And oh my gosh, he's a Democratic socialist. What are we going to do with this in the mayor's seat? And People learned in Burlington very quickly who Bernie was because he was very outspoken on the issues and did everything he could to improve the quality of life for Burlington residents. And in the next election, he had doubled voter turnout and had uh, won by quite a bit more. When he ended up stopping running as mayor, he was at 70% favorability. Wow. So then he ran for Congress, and again, people were like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, because it was the whole state. He lost by three percentage points in 88. In 90, he won by 16, Mm. because they listened and they learned who he was. And now the last last 11 morning consult polls have said that Bernie is the number one favorite senator in the in the country. Right. So, uh, and he won 86% of the vote in the Democratic primary against Hillary in Vermont. So what's happened is, and I just wish we had more time all the time, as people have gotten to know him, they've realized he's not this caricature that the media sets out that this is uh, totally focused on democratic socialism. He's, he's funny. He's warm mm-hmm. when he was, it was an interview in which he was asked, what would you want to be remembered for? And he said, compassion. And I thought, oh, that was a real surprise that he said that. Mm-hmm. But that's true. That's who he is. He's compassionate. He says, I hear the words in every speech here, love and compassion. Mm-hmm. I never see that soundbite on the evening news. No. What else can you tell us uh, about him that... Uh, that people should know, or maybe you said to him, you know, you should show this side of you a little more or whatever. Um, just Well, you know, he's a pretty private person. He's very private. He, when he, his favorite thing is to come home and be with the kids and the grandkids and 
play baseball outside or soccer or touch football or and or play chess or He'll share classical chair and watch music. TV. No, he doesn't watch TV at all. This is the other thing I've noticed here on the trail. You know, just all of us trying to keep up with him. I'm just saying. Yeah. But he's always moving. Yeah. Like we're backstage or whatever, and there's like you know two more speakers or whatever. He's moving around. He's looking at his notes. He's mm -hmm. like, and I and I said I said to one of the people on our crew here, I said, "This is how if you want to live a long life." Yeah. Do he is not sitting down in a chair. No, he, he is not. He does in the when he plays chess or checkers with the kids. That's when you can get him seated. In. Right, and he has his iPad out, and he shows them. You know, he has them listen to classical music and talks about it. Or, you know, I mean, I I don't think people have ever seen him. Anytime they come up with a question or they're interested in something, he'll look at he'll look it up and show great baseball players back in the right. back in the day or great politicians talking about things leaders he's an educator i think i think most people don't mm. understand that about him but professionally and personally he likes to explain history to to the community and to his grandchildren cole our oldest uh, at one point said yeah grandpa always teaches us something you know he right. always so, I mean, those are things that you might not know. He's, he's a really doting uh, grandfather, a wonderful father, and uh, I think he's a great husband, so <laughs> I'm lucky. Yeah, yeah. I noticed, too, just his, um, he's very affected when people tell him oh, stories yeah. of their lives. He's very present. He actually listens. He's actually listening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is somebody who was raised in the working class. This yes. is somebody who was not raised with money. Mm -hmm. And again, because, you know, he's talked more about it this year than in 2016, but he, he and his brother lived a pretty Three and a half room rent controlled yeah. apartment. They slept in the living room as they grew up, you know, they didn't uh, have bedrooms. No, 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 but that was fine. You yeah. know, as far as he was concerned, he, but what's interesting is you know, people talk about age, and I think uh, just like fine wine, Bernie has gotten better with age. He's he was more dogmatic uh, earlier mm. on in in his career, more intellectual, mm. more focused on what the facts were, mm -hmm. and now he's so much more focused. He knows the facts; they're second nature to him. Uh, but he's focused on the impact of reality on the actual the people he's focused on the people he listens he learns and then he acts on that and he's done more introspection about his earlier years you know thinking about that just his you know he early on i don't remember him talking so much about his father he talked about his mother and and her having heart surgery and dying young and never realizing her dream of owning a home but he's thought more about his dad as time has gone on mm. about him coming from Poland at 17 with very little money, hardly any skills, hardly any ed education, but he came to make a better life. I mean, yeah. it was really very difficult there. A lot of his family was wiped out in the Holocaust. Right. You know, we all kind of grew up with cousins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? No. And yeah. families who had one side or both sides of the family wiped out that extended family where, Oh mm -hmm. yeah, we've got, we have family back in Ireland. We have yeah. family and all this. No, uh, that's not the, the, the struggle 
of of his family of him being raised um and and then becoming who he became it's 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 um yeah no it's quite remarkable well we went back to poland uh with his brother and his wife to go learn more and bernie tends to not look back or focus on himself at all so that experience uh, we went to Auschwitz. Uh, we met with people that knew his family. Mm. Um, it was it was very moving and very instructive from a personal point of view to what he knew intellectually, how delicate, how fragile democracy is, and right. how much difference one election can make. Right. Right. So, and how people can be moved in ways that you would never dream of. Right, right. So that made him, in 2016, he knew, he recognized Donald Trump. And he knew that he had to do everything he could to defeat him then. That's why he did, I don't know, 39, 41. Yeah, uh, somewhere between 39 and four, yeah. 42 rallies yeah, right. for Hillary. Yeah. These are all Hillary rallies he's doing for her. It, it's... I, I, why why does this get again this is another weird trope but it, see that's that's one of the things that that's one of the things that's really bad about politics today somebody says it they repeat it enough the establishment repeats it enough the media repeats it enough it becomes fact even if it's totally untrue he he did quite a bit and the other thing that's factually incorrect is that well, Bernie's supporters, uh, so many of Bernie's supporters wouldn't vote for Hillary. Well, according to the the exit polls, they say that 12% of his supporters might not have voted for for Hillary. Yeah. Uh, and, and that includes very safe blue states. Yes. And I think people made that choice when they were in very safe sure. states. Now, some people made that choice otherwise. But with Hillary, 25% of her supporters didn't vote for, vote for Obama. Obama. They voted for John McCain. They voted for John right. McCain. And, uh, Again, but Obama ran a great, stated. exactly. But Obama ran a really good campaign and he won anyway with twice as many support. So that's never talked about. Right. Right. And so it's, I, I guess I and Bernie too are very fair minded people. We want just the facts, just make sure things are told that the truth is told, that the process is fair. If that happens, then we're fine, no right. matter what happens. I gotta, at these rallies and these mm-hmm. events that we've had across the state this week, another thing, this whole the Bernie bro thing, yeah. the, that trope. A lot um, of women in the A lot, are you kidding? <laughs> I, we, we've been counting. Yeah. <laughs> and it's about, uh, depending where we are, 55% women, 45% men. Mm-hmm. Some places, 60-40 in favor of there's more mm-hmm. women and you know what's so exciting, Michael? Uh, just seeing the people who are 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 donors, they're Walmart workers, they're Amazon workers, they're nurses, they're teachers, they're people that uh, Bernie is really trying to help, and it it's getting through to the people. And as you say, it's getting through to the people on top too. And they're just not saying we don't want this. They're saying, oh, it's a ludicrous idea or Bernie can't win. Um, and we'll, we'll see what happens. We hope that the, we will have a vibrant democracy during this election, that people will participate 
and be allowed to participate that the there were some difficulties in the caucuses, not here in Iowa, but in, in uh, caucuses and primaries well, I, in terms of voter suppression. All of us who went through, uh, I think, 2016 are very much on top of this. Mm-hmm. But we also know that because they, they are going to let the superdelegates back into the convention if there's a second ballot. Yeah. So we have to win this on the, on the first ballot. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we need to reach out uh, to, the, to the Warren supporters uh in this um starting when they're in the gymnasium at the caucus on monday and the candidate corners are all around the gym and many others and many others and that, many, w- that won't be viable at the uh yes uh, you know in various places look how amy klobuchar has worked with bernie on the whole pharmaceutical thing i mean these are these are people that have Tulsi sh- gabbard yes. andrew yang tom steyer I mean, they all have very good points and various, and, and if they're not viable, we would welcome their supporters. Uh, right. I think the concern here, Michael, is by having so many people in the Democratic uh, primary getting 50.1% of the delegates on the first ballot is essential in order to not have the superdelegates overturn the wishes of the people the will of the people yeah my my hope is and as i said earlier we just want a fair process a fair shake and um i think that people are expecting that whoever walks in with plurality of votes will get the nomination right we've been through this so many times where they go the safe route, uh, Joe Biden um, uh, is running these ads now, pick the safe candidate, I'm the safe candidate. But and the safe candidate, Michael, is the one that uh, Trump can't uh, portray as inauthentic or hypocritical. That's Bernie. The safe one is the one that uh, can go toe-to-toe with him on trade and working people, uh, the impacts of, of our economy on the working class, whereas he had a faux populist message. Uh, Bernie has a real populist message. Right. And I think having truth go against dishonesty is the best way. It's the safest way to right. win this election. Yes, so. that to me that is safe. What's mm-hmm. not safe is is every time we've tried to put up a candidate that voted for the Iraq War, that candidate has lost. I'm tired of losing. Well, you and I, we have to get. We're heading out to southeastern uh, yeah. Iowa today. Yeah. We're going to do a, a couple of uh, town halls uh, yes. uh, together. And uh, so my my last question is this because I just I I uh, I've got to stop watching that uh, New York Times endorsement show because the. It's, <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of comedy and satire, and uh, where Bernie was just classic Bernie, uh, and I'm not gonna do his voice in front of because it'll be way too embarrassing. But the way he said that, he says he told these New York Times reporters he's never gonna send them a birthday card or call them and wish them a, That's a, right. a happy birthday because uh, he's just not that kind of guy. It, just so he can get not a good, good story. Not good at backslapping. Not right. good at yeah. that. So he get get a good story for himself if he just calls them up and wishes them a happy birthday. Mm-hmm. And he and I, he said the word bullshit on TV. I've never heard him like, mm-hmm. swear. Yeah, he does like that. that much. Yeah. Not, not certainly not on TV, yeah. but it's but that he just you could just see that he does he's just isn't going to take any shit and he's not going to blow smoke at you. Right. He went in there knowing full well, and he, he he's. Wherever he is when he's interviewed, he's just Bernie. He just says what he thinks and he, 
you know, he means what he says and he does it. So he walked in there. And by the way, <laughs> you could see the his walk in on 8th Avenue there into the Times Village. He looks like he's being led to the gulag. <laughs> <laughs> well, he figured, I mean, he wasn't sure he was going to go. And I said, you know, they're going to be having transcripts. They're going to be having the video of the interview. And your point of view won't be represented. And he said, oh, good point. You know, there's no way that they're ever going to endorse me. So it's a waste of time. But you're right. I shouldn't, I, my point of view has to be in the mix so that people can hear. So yeah, especially the public watching this, you yeah. see, you see um, roughly six candidates that are good versions of each other. Mm-hmm. And then there's the one. Because you yeah. look at that and you can see he's the outlier there, that he's very much the loner. And yet- you look at him in Iowa and New Hampshire, Nevada, and California and Vermont. Yeah. He's not alone. No. So it's he people say, Oh, nobody supports him. That's what that's what the And yet he keeps going up in the polls. Yeah. Not only the the, the highest approval rating of any of the one hundred senators. I for the last number of years they've been asking this question, I don't know if it's the Reuters poll, of who's the, the elected official, the politician that you admire the mm-hmm. most. Mm-hmm. Number one, yep. every year. Yes. And that's across all, that's Republicans, Democrats. Yep. Number one is Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Um, what I have seen here in Iowa is that he is, he is beloved. Mm-hmm. Um, that, nice. that By some, we hope, a majority. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, yeah, you don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm on the road. I see it. I see it on the mm-hmm. sidewalk. I see it backstage. I see it with the crowds. And I've seen a different version than what is being presented necessarily on the on the evening news. But this is just was a long way of ending our podcast today yeah. by um, asking you if he's ever given you a birthday card. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, no. He's given me birthday presents. He takes me out, but no, 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 no hallmark. He doesn't need hallmark to no, say what he thinks no, for him. He actually no. writes or does his own thing. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah, all the time. I mean, when we when we got married. We were we worked on our vows. We wrote two different versions. On the morning of, he was like, "I was like Bernie, which ones are we gonna use on the phone?" We weren't together, yeah. and oh, we'll go with this one. Okay, so I get up there and I, you know, know pretty much my vows, and we had thought them through. He forgot all of it, and he gave the best ones, just totally from the heart. He just said, right. "You know," so I said, "Why did we even bother to do that?" Because Bernie speaks from the heart. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I think I think it's important right now, Michael. Um, people think if if people say Bernie can't win and that he's not liked by anybody, it's because he's not liked by those who don't want change, who are quite happy with the status quo. There's no doubt about that. That right. the people that are happy with the way things are going don't like Bernie. The people who have uh, concerns about their health care, concerns about their children, their parents, their education, climate change especially, really do like Bernie because they understand he's there to fight for them, to transform this country, to be the country that we all want it to be, where we value each other for our diversity instead of in spite of it and and uh, and that we want a civil society, one that we can be proud of. I, you know, I want to be as proud of this country as I am about my husband. And I think wow. we will do. 
on that note, uh, thank you very much for this time. Thank uh, you, really, Michael. And really thanks for the it. podcast. See, you were told too, it was going to take a long time to reach so many people. And that's... No, I know. That's, I'm, <laughs> I'm still kind of pinching myself uh, well, that uh, a couple of microphones and a few ideas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and here we are. I'm grateful to the people listening. And if you are listening right now, uh, this has been uh, Dr. Jane Sanders. It's, uh, it's been good. And I, I will not... I will not wait for my birthday card to come to me in April. Oh, right. I'm okay. just saying, Sorry about no, that. No, no, no. It's good to know in advance <laughs> <laughs> that there are more important mm. things to do. I want the real deal, and and that's what we have here. And God bless you and him, and uh, thank you, and for what you're doing for this country. But thank you, everybody who's listening, and uh, uh, to Rumble. This is Rumble with Michael Moore, and uh, we'll be back at you uh, here uh, probably tomorrow. Um, we'll see okay. you then. Take care, Michael. Thank you. Everybody can have a voice online like this. Oh.